0: big night but I want to give you guys an opportunity to discuss things at your table. But look at a chapter, looking at the book of Jonah again, kind of just reviewing everything if you will. In chapter 1 we see God tell Jonah, "Go to Nineveh. Everybody knows the story, go to Nineveh, tell them about me. I've watched their wickedness rise up before me. Go tell them." Jonah makes a run for it. He makes a run for it down to Joppa, jumps a ship headed for Tarshish. The sailors end up throwing Jonah over over the overboard so the storm calms down. And once the storm, once he's tossed in the water, the storm calms. But Jonah's sort of like swimming around in the sea, so God provides a great fish to follow, jo- to swallow Jonah and keep him alive. Jonah, after three days, as we learned last week, three days in the belly of the fish, he starts to pray. One of the best heartfelt conviction prayers in Scripture, in my opinion, is that prayer very very powerful prayer. Hang on to that thought cuz we're going to look at Jonah again tonight in a different sense with a different attitude. But Jonah last week he prayed, God come along, God spit him up on the beach, and then God tells him to get back to work which we're going to cover tonight. But I got a question for you because like we talked about last week, I believe all of us including myself in this room can relate to Jonah. I'll tell you guys a quick story. Can I tell you a quick story about Jonah? Here's how I know I relate to Jonah. I had been saved not too long. And I was driving on a highway one day, and you guys have heard me talk about my mom and my dad, and I love my mom dearly. She's an absolute saint. My dad passed away in 2003, so it had to be within the first couple of years of my salvation because I got saved in 2000. So probably about a year and a half into it, I'm driving on a highway one day. Now I'm divorced, so my kids lived in Montana, okay? So every other weekend, I would go from Gillette to Billings, get my kids, come back down, and then I would go from Gillette back to Billings on Sunday, and then drive back home Sunday night. And my dad and I did not get along. We did not have a good relationship. Like, we didn't have a good relationship at all. If it wasn't for my mom, I probably would have never saw my dad, to be honest with you. That's how bad it was. So I'm driving on the highway one night, (laughs) on my way up to Montana, and God kind of whispers in my ear, not audibly, but I felt this prompting in my heart, Dan, what I want you to do is on Sundays before you drive back to Gillette, I want you to swing by your folks' house, by your parents' house, and do a Bible study with your mom and dad before you come home. And I was like, no. (laughs) Just like that. I was like, no. I'm not doing it. I don't even like my dad. Why in the world would I stop and do a Bible study with a man? So this went on for a couple weeks. And I was just like, no, I'm not. God kept dogging me about it and talking to me about it. And I finally said, okay, fine. Me and God are having it out. Okay, fine. I'll do it. Well, dropped my kids off in Montana, up there by Park City, Montana one night, and swung by my mom and dad's house, went in the house just to visit with them for a couple minutes before I left. And I said, hey, they knew I was saved. Um, they They knew my life had changed. They were watching me, and they saw this. And I said, you know, I had a thought. If you guys don't mind, what do you think about the idea of us doing a Bible study? As I swing through town, we'll stop and do a Bible study. And then if we talk for a while, I'll drive back to Gillette. My dad was like, how do you think my dad would respond to that? My dad was like, you know, that's a great idea. I'm like, really? I'm thinking to myself, really? What I got to see there in that experience were a couple of things. And it, it lines up with Jonah. Because my dad would have been like the Ninevites. No, he wasn't that evil, but he was dark. He didn't know the Lord. He had a tough life. Was alcoholic, physically, mentally abusive, you name it. My dad went through it in his life. But what I watched was what Jonah didn't realize is what God was already doing in the hearts of the Ninevites was God was already at work with his grace in that community. He wanted Jonah to go and share the good news so that God could do a work in those people's hearts. What God asked me to do with my dad was, I want you to go, Dan, and I want you to share the gospel with him. And we studied the book of John. My dad had lots of questions. And by the way, one of these nights, if you guys would like, I'd like to share my dad's testimony with you because it is absolutely mind-blowing amazing. But my dad ended up getting saved on his deathbed because this conversation about God started within our family. I was not the one that led the man to the Lord, but my my brother's brother-in-law, who was a pastor, did. And my dad ended up getting saved on his deathbed. Would you guys like to hear my dad's story some night? I would love to share that. It is a... It'll blow your mind. It's such a crazy story. And it's such a joy-filled experience for me. But think about it. If I had not stopped and been obedient to what God, I finally came under the obedience of God, went and talked to my mom and dad. My dad ended up getting saved on his deathbed. What a great story of what this looks like lined up with Jonah. And that's what we see with Jonah tonight as we're going to wrap this thing up, okay? So I believe we're all like Jonah. I don't believe there's anybody in this room that cannot relate to this part of the Bible in this story. So with that said, I got a question for you guys to turn to your groups to real quick. The very first question is, here's a simple character test that you can talk about at your tables. What makes you happy? What makes you mad? And what makes you want to give up? Turn to your tables, discuss that question, and then we'll turn back up to the front of the room in just a moment. i give you some highlights again of chapter 3. Okay, I'm going to give you highlights of chapter 3. We're going to read chapter 3 through. I'll touch three through. I'll touch on some stuff as I go through it also, okay? But in chapter 3, the first thing we're going to see is Jonah finally went. So I'm going to give you some highlights from chapter 3 in two different points. The first one, Jonah finally went. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And it seems like we really get, you get the sense that God was upset with Jonah, but he never left him. He couldn't have been very happy with his servant when he made it run for it. He didn't do what he was told. God was disciplining Jonah, but he never deserted Jonah. And I want you guys, there are some things about God that we can learn tonight that you see. And one of the things that I'll touch on real quick right now is when the word of the Lord came to Jonah, right before that, remember what happened? Jonah prayed, said, I will do what I've said I'm going to do. I will go and tell people salvation comes from the Lord. And then what did the fish do? It spit him up on the bank, right? Notice something here that's left out. Back to being a kid with my dad. My dad was like a dog on a bone. If I did something wrong, he never let it go. He would constantly remind me about it and bring it up that you failed and you did this again and you did that again and I can't believe you did that. It could be a week or two down the road. Do you remember when you did that? I can't believe you did that. I just, I'm so disappointed. Whatever that might be. But do you notice what God didn't do here? God did not lecture Jonah. God did not chew Jonah out. God did not say, I'm so disappointed in you, Jonah. I can't believe, and remind all the, reminded Jonah of all the things that he didn't do or did do. God didn't do that, did he? It says the fish puked him up on the bank, and the first thing God said was, that the Bible says, is in the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And then Jonah, he told him the same thing, go to Nineveh. Didn't remind him of all the stuff that he had done. Now look at me. I want you guys to hang on this as parents and as husbands and wives someday. I want you to get this pattern in your life. When your kids do something wrong, I want you to be like God and give them a lot of grace and a lot of mercy and not wear them out with what they did wrong. Talk to them about it and move on. When you're a husband and wife, don't argue and bicker back and forth. Don't hold a grudge against each other, I guess is what I'm trying to tell you. And as friends, look at me, girls. You guys are the worst. I love you guys but you're the worst at holding a grudge. If some girl upsets you, you will hold a grudge for decades. And fellas, it's no different with us. We got to get over it and we got to learn not to hold a grudge. But we see this in chapter three and chapter four. We see a God who is a God of second chances. When you stumble and fall, look at me, people. When you stumble and fall and you're going to stumble and fall, I want you to be like Jonah. I want you to be willing to get up and keep going for God because you're going to make a lot of mistakes along the way, and a lot of stuff is not going to go the way you want it to. But I want you to be like Jonah. I want you to get up, and I want you to keep going on for God. Micah 7:8 says this, because watch this. If you stumble and fall, the devil wants you to stay right down there on the ground where you're at. Don't move. Stay there. You get up. You're going to be in trouble. Don't get up and go. Stay put right where you're at. And he will start dogging your steps. So watch this. Micah 7:8 says this. Do not gloat over me, my enemies, for though I fall, I will rise again. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Get up and keep moving on. Second thing is you see here is Jonah Jonah warned the Ninevites. Jonah finally went and did what he was supposed to, and he warned the Ninevites. Now think about the, think about the Ninevites for a second. They were just dirt evil to the core. And you're going to be a man of God. Remember we talked about this where actually Nineveh is actually Mosul today, Iraq, where all the Muslims are at? Now, Violet, I want, to, I want you to go over to Mosul and I want you to walk into Mosul and I want you to start preaching about God, from, about Jesus Christ from the streets of Mosul. How do you think that's going to work out? You have to think to yourself, I'm scared to death to do that. This is crazy, Lord. What do you got me doing? This makes no sense to me. But yet Jonah, although it didn't make any sense to him, he finally come in line with God and he was obedient to God and he went and did what he was supposed to do. And I'm reminded about a story in the Bible when it comes to this point. And it's about Saul and Ananias. And I'm talking about Paul, the Apostle Paul. When the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus was knocked off his horse, Jesus blinded him, his friends led him into, into Damascus on Straight Street, and Jesus Christ, a vision of Jesus, he appeared to Ananias, who was a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he told Ananias, Ananias, what I want you to do is I want you to go to Damascus to see Saul on Straight Street, pray for him and baptize him. And I like Ananias in this part of Scripture, because Ananias is like, uh, see, because you know what you know what the Apostle Paul was before he was saved? You know what he would have been called today? A terrorist. Because he was persecuting Christians. And Ananias' family was probably one that he was in the middle of persecuting. And God told Ananias, I want you to go and I want you to baptize Saul because he's my chosen instrument to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. And Ananias is like, uh, Lord, are you sure you know what Saul's been doing? And that's when God says, yes, I have. And Jesus says, go. And Ananias went. And it was reminded me in this story when Jonah says he went and going to tell the Ninevites in 40 days, if you don't repent, you're going to be, you be thrown overboard. You will be de- destroyed. Warren Worsby, who is a a theologian pastor guy, he says this about this idea of going and doing an impossible task. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. What that means is God's never gonna prompt you and send you in a direction where he won't go before you. I'm gonna read it again, thinking about that. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you and the power of God cannot use you. That's a very big deal if you get your arms around that. And as you live as Christians, you will, you'll, there'll be times it's like, Lord, what? I don't get it. But you've got to remember God goes before you. So let's jump over into chapter three. We'll read that real quick, and then we'll move back down into chapter four and turn you back into your small groups. Chapter three, verse one says this. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. Pause. Nineveh was like 60 miles radius. Circumference around Nineveh would have been like 60 miles. This thing was a huge city in these days. So he went there. It was a large city. It took him three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 days. Now, if you guys show up here on a Wednesday night with your friends, how about if I just did this as a message? 40 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Done. You don't change in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed and go to hell. How'd that be a first sermon? That'd be one you want your friends to hear from high school, wouldn't it? I'm sure Jonah said more things, but that's all we have recorded here is he basically told them 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. And a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal clothes, royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Pause. Sackcloth and ashes was a way of mourning or weeping and being absolute in distress. So, what the Ninevites did is they believed God. This is a proclamation he issued in Nineveh, the king did, by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call, I like this word, urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence so They called urgently on God. This is what repentance looks like. When Jonah came into into Nineveh and he said, if you don't repent in 40 days, you're going to be destroyed. This is what it looks like. They believed God and they acted like it and they did something different with their lives. The king says, who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. So who knows? I like that, who knows? Who knows? How do we know that if we repent, if we, the scripture says in the book of 1 John, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. See, we don't have to wonder, who knows? Maybe God will forgive us. I don't know. You think? The Ninevites didn't know. We know God will do that. We know he will forgive us when that time comes. When God saw what they had, what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God repented or relented because of their heart's repentance. When we come to God and we confess our sin, like Jonas does here where we see the Ninevites doing this, we've got to understand when this happens, God did not, watch this, God did not bend to their ways. They bent God's ways. They gave their hearts to God, and they genuinely believed that this guy... Now, what, Ni- the Ninevites had a fish god, by the way, just as a side note. They worshiped the fish god, half man, half fish. Now, I'm sure word had to get out somewhere, because this took time from when Jonah was spit up on the beach until he got to Nineveh. It had to take about a month, they figured, is what it took. But being in the belly of a fish for three days, I'd like to see this picture. Jonah, they said, the, the acid would the acid's in the fish's belly would have bleached Jonah's skin. Now think about the Ninevites. They hear a story of this guy that got spit up by a fish. They worship a fish god, and all of a sudden this guy shows up in the middle of their community, and they know Jonah is a prophet of God. And Jonah goes around saying, if you don't repent, but 40 days from now, if you don't repent, you're going to be destroyed by the one true living God. There's a lot of stuff here that is unsaid, but you get a sense that the Ninevites believed it. And because they believed it, their behavior changed and they turned from their evil ways. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin? Don't answer it, just think about this. Do you believe, do you really believe that Jesus Christ died for your sin? Have you really repented and asked God to forgive you and walk with him? Now ask yourself, if the answer to that question is yes. Have you turned From your evil ways. Because see, these guys did. And that's why God relented. And that's why God repented. Because they did something different with their lives. They were a new creation, if I can put it that way. They looked different. There was a before and there was an after. I wish, in a way, you guys could have saw the before Dan Canoost. I wish you would have known me before I knelt down on that Sunday morning in September 2000 and gave my life to Christ. And when I stood up, there was a before and there was an after. And I've never went back to the before. That's what I challenge you guys to live your lives like. If you have a before and after, why in the world would you want to go back? Why in the world would you want to turn back to your evil ways? When you really realize what Christ did for us on the cross to redeem us back into a relationship with him, why in the world do we do that? because we have a carnal heart still. And our old nature, our sinful nature, drags us back that direction, and that's why you see Jonah the way you do. Now, this would have been, now listen, in all of the revivals in the world that the world's recorded, Billy Graham revivals, all the great revivals around around the world over the centuries, this was the biggest revival there's ever been. One city, one whole city, repented and turned to God. They figure almost 600,000 people repented and turned to God, sackcloth and ashes, animals fasting. Man, it would have been a huge celebration to find out that God relented and he didn't destroy your house. He didn't blow up your city. You would have been like, yes, big, huge celebration, right? So what do you think Jonah did? You think Jonah joined in the celebration, hit his knees and thank God for letting him be a part of this great revival that's taking place? Probably not because we know Jonah, and here's what Jonah does. Let's just jump to chapter four, and then we'll scooch over to the other side. Chapter four starts off this way, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he he became angry. You start to see Jonah's heart, his intent of his heart, And his thoughts throughout chapter four. So, when you start to do that and you start to watch Jonah after a citywide revival, Jonah seemed selfish, critical, gloomy, angry, unhappy. He wanted the Ninevites to repent, but he would not repent himself. You see, I didn't like my dad. I hated my dad, but God taught me not to hate my dad. God helped me forgive my dad because God helped me see my dad from his perspective. The brokenness and the lostness and the darkness in the poor man's heart because he didn't know God. And that helped me learn to forgive my dad. When my dad died, I was the last one to see him basically conscious. I can't wait to tell you guys that story. I did not like my father at all, but God helped me forgive him because somewhere along the way, I'm not that bright, So somewhere along the way, somebody had to lay this thought in my head. If you have someone you hate and you can't forgive, can I give you just a tip? Ask God to let let you see them from his perspective. Let you see that person from God's perspective, and you'll see the brokenness in that person and how they need to be redeemed exactly like you were not that long ago. So you see Jonah's selfishness. He called him to repent, but he wouldn't repent himself. You also will pick up a little bit of his reputation being bruised here in just a minute, what I'll talk about. Then you see Jonah pray. He prayed a second time, but in this prayer, I want you guys to get this, this prayer was different than the one that was in the belly of the fish. And you'll pick up an an angry heart that he prays from. And when we pray, we've got to be careful about the condition of our heart when we pray, which I'll talk about in a second. Chapter 4, but... To Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Do you know that about God? Do you, yourself, really believe that God is a compassionate God who is slow to anger? Jonah knew it. That's the reason in chapter one he made a run for it. He knew God was going to forgive these guys if they repented because he knew God was gracious and compassionate. Now Jonah says, Now, Lord, take away my life. This is Jonah praying. Now, Lord, take away my life for it is better for me to die than to live. Pause. Pause. I believe you see here Jonah's reputation being tarnished. Think about Jonah. He's a prophet of Israel. He's got a reputation to uphold. And all of a sudden, the people that the Israelites hate because Jonah went and preached to them, they repented and God didn't destroy them. And now Jonah's got to go back to his own community and explain this to all the other Israelites who wanted those people dead because they all hated the Ninevites because they were their enemy. So you get a sense that Jonah's like, God, just kill me. I don't even want to go home. It would be better for me to be dead than to have to go back and tell all my buddies that I went up to this bully who's done nothing besides be mean to us in this school, and I went up and told him about Jesus, and now he's saved. Ananias and Saul. Saul had been persecuting the Christian church. Ananias gets to be the one to go back and say, oh, by the way, guess what I did yesterday? I baptized Saul. You did what? How in the world could you do? What is wrong with you? Your reputation cannot be more important than God. I've got in there. Go back and read uh, Galatians 1.10. The apostle Paul says, do you think I'm preaching to please people? Because if I was to please people, I'm not a servant of God. Paul was doing what he did to God's honor, and that's what these guys were doing as well. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah had gone out and sat down at the place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant. Remember how God provides all the things to reveal to Jonah's heart here. Watch this. God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah and gave shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And... Jonah was very happy about the plant, but God wanted Jonah to see his own heart. Jonah was very happy about the plant, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, and he chewed the plant, and so it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed to Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I am so angry that I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have, been, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I, have not, should I not have concern of the great city Nineveh, which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell the right hand from their left hand, that would be the kids in the community, cannot tell the right hand from their left hand, and also the animals. What you see in Jonah's life is Jonah prayed with an angry heart. But in the middle of praying and talking to God, what did God do? He told Jonah, why don't you examine your own heart, Jonah? He started to show Jonah, I was happy as long as God provided what I wanted. But as soon as it was taken away, I was pouty again. When we pray, God will reveal the condition of our hearts to us. And that's where it's important. When you look at Jonah's life, that's exactly what was going on here with Jonah. When you look at things that he was doing and wasn't doing, that's what it was. Now go back, turn to your tables, talk about the story of Jonah, talk about chapter three and four, maybe visit about it. if there's anything that jumped out to you in this story that makes sense or that you can hang on to, and then we'll turn back to the front of the room here in a few minutes. Okay, I got one last thought I want to share with you guys on the book of Jonah, and then we're going to move on. We'll close up the night. Does anybody, if you know the answer, if I've told you the answer to this, don't, don't tell me. I want to give something to you guys that's a, a different thought. Does anybody else does anybody know where else in the Bible other than the book of Matthew that we hear about Jonah? Jonah is found in 2 Kings 14:25. 2 Kings chapter 14:25, we see Jonah pop up again. And what Jonah is doing in 2 Kings chapter 14 verse 25 is he's been commissioned, he's a prophet. He shares God's message exactly like he did with the Ninevites. But now what Jonah is going to do is he's going to King Jeroboam, who's a king of Israel. He's King Jeroboam II. He's going to go tell King Jeroboam some good news. Hey, King Jeroboam, God has sent me to let you know he wants you to go out and expand Israel's territory. That's good news. So that's a very good message, a very favorable message, a very exciting message that Jonah gets to share, right? As he gets to go tell the king, hey, king, guess what? God laid it on my heart to tell you, go. He's going to help you, help you expand Israel's territory. Ain't it great? Here's a question I've been studying like crazy for, and I have not found the answer to this question. Is 2 Kings 14.25 before or after the book of Jonah happens in history? If it's after the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah ends really weird. It just kind of stops. God goes, well, shouldn't I be concerned about Nineveh? And why aren't you, basically, Jonah? Why is your heart the way it is? And it just stops. Two books in the Old Testament stop with a question, Nahum and Jonah. And both of them have to do with the Ninevites. Both Both those books end with a question in the Old Testament. And both have to do with the Ninevites, just as a side note. But let's think about it this way. I'm going to give you two different, two different ways to look at this 2 Kings 14.25 where Jonah carries a very favorable message. Jonah had to be the hero in this story. Jonah's coming in and everybody's going to be like, that's a great story, Jonah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that with us. Everybody's going to celebrate Jonah because it's good news, okay? Remember Jonah's reputation about going home and telling everybody that the Ninevites were saved? At the end of Jonah... If 2 Kings comes after that part of the story, you see Jonah's heart change. Because now Jonah is doing exactly what God told him to do. You guys understand what I'm getting at? In Jonah, he didn't do anything God wanted him to do with the right heart. 2 Kings, he goes, at the end of Jonah, if it happened after Jonah's over, he goes and now he's, he's following God's prompting. His heart's right, his heart's got cleaned up, he's got a good attitude, and he goes and tells the king a good story. But, What if 2 Kings 14, 25, that good story happened before Jonah? Then what you see in Jonah, and this is, I think, where a lot of us can relate to Jonah. Then you see Jonah being willing to share good news about God and what he wants to and what he thinks is worth sharing. But then you see Jonah going, no, I'm not going to do that one, Lord. And I believe that's where we all camp as human beings. If we like what God's doing, I'm all in. But about the time I don't like what God's doing, I make a run for it. To me, that's a better lesson. I don't know which happens which way. But when we look at the book of Jonah, we look at 2 Kings 14, 25, and he gets to tell King Jeroboam II, oh man, this is such a great story. Go, Israel, expand your territory. It's gonna be awesome. Everybody had to be celebrating. Jonah had to be thinking, I'm a man. And then God comes to him and says, hey, I want you to go tell the Ninevites about me. And Jonah says, nope, I'm out. Is that you? Is that how you're living your life before God when things are good and he, you're, you'll do what he wants you to do when it's what you want to do? But when it's not what you want to do, stay away from sin, don't date that person, do date that person, Go to this school, don't go to that school. What about a message that you might not be that excited about? Are you going to live it out still? And the other thing that's unique about the book of Jonah, and I'll close with this. At the beginning, God's the one that's speaking. And at the end of the book of Jonah, God's the one that's speaking. That bookend is God's voice begins and ends the book of Jonah. And I believe that's our life. Our lives begin when we hear the voice of God saying, come, follow me. And we give our lives to Christ. And our lives will end when we stand before God and we hopefully hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Or when we hear the voice of of God calling us near, wooing us as they would say, come, follow me. And I go, eh, not really in the mood. Then at the end of that story, when we stand before God, we will hear the words, depart from me for I never knew you. Which one do you want? It's up to you. But we are going to hear God's voice at the beginning of our story when we're born again. And we will hear God's voice at the end of that story. And I don't know about you, but I want to live a life not to earn anything, but to bring glory to God. So when I stand before him, when my time comes, and we don't know when that time is going to be, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And you know what else I desire? I desire every high school student that I've ever spoken with. When my time comes and I'm gone, I want every high school student, every leader, every person that knows Dan Canoost to know without a shadow of a doubt where I went when I pass. When you lay your head on the pillow at night and you think about me, if I'm gone, I want you to know and be able to celebrate that according to the word... I heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. But you know what I want more than that? I want you guys to live your lives in such a way that God forbid something would happen to you, I can lay my head on the pillow at night and know that you heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's why all of us leaders come in here every Wednesday night. It's because we want to help you guys build a lifestyle to where we can lay our head on the pillow, God forbid something happened to you, and we know without a shadow of a doubt where you're at. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you're good. And I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus tonight, that this book that was penned so long ago about Jonah is something that we could hang our hats on, Lord, because there's a lot of this story that we can really relate to as human beings today. But I pray that we would learn to just be obedient to your voice, to be obedient to the direction you send us, to be willing to talk to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ, even those we might not like, Lord, even those we we probably have a vein of disdain and hate for. Clean our hearts up so that we're able to go share the good news of the gospel with anybody that crosses our path so we can tell them how how gracious and merciful our God is, a God of second chances. Thank you for that. So, Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to remember the things that you taught us through this book and give us a hunger for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.